Good morning. I liked uh, Garrett's polo there, Washington State. Hopefully that gives us a little power to Gardner Minshew today. See how that goes. I'm actually growing out the facial hair because if he does well this week, I'm shaving the Gardner Minshew mustache for the Thursday night game. So let's hope that that happens so we can all support. So uh, we're all Gardner Minshew fans today. If you don't know me, my name is Jason Trent. Um, I run the youth ministry here at Beaches Chapel. I also run the athletic program here at the school. And from time to time, for some reason, James and Pastor Howard asked me to, to speak and preach. So uh, here I am. So I am very, very excited about this opportunity. And um, hopefully you guys can get as much out of this of these verses as I did looking into it. So before we get started, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, how's it going? All right. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I'm so sorry I picked you second. <laughs> but how is it going with you? All right. So that's, that's a question that I like to ask people uh, when I see them. How's it going? Because it's a, uh, you, can, you get a lot out of their response. Some people will give you time to say, oh, it's going good, or, you know, you know, whatever. But one answer that I always find interesting, and I ran into someone the other day who said it to me, is they go, well, it's going. And I was like, man, it's going. And it's like, man, life is so short. Life is so precious for it to only be going. If we take a step back and use perspective, it's like, man, it should not just be going. But the reality of it is, is we all, we, that it happens to us from time to time. We go through life and we'll have these times in life where things are not going good or things are not going the way that we planned or the opportunities that we thought were there are not there. And for those times, it's just going. But if we really look at it, I mean, we, we've all lost people close to us in our lives. And we, we know that time is so precious Time is so valuable. You have got to make the most of your opportunities that you have. A famous coach, one of my favorite people in the world, his name is Herb Brooks. He coached the 1980 U.S. men's hockey team that defeated the Soviets in the Winter Classic Olympics in Lake Placid. It was considered the biggest upset in sports history. It was actually ranked the number one sports upset in sports history. This team of college kids... U.S. hockey players beat this team of Soviets who had won the gold medal the last 15 years. And it was the biggest upset of all time. And in the speech before the game, before the game started, they're playing in the, it's the semifinals. Herb Brooks goes to his team before they play the Soviets. And he says, he starts his speech out with this. He says, great moments come from great opportunities. Great moments come from great opportunities. And I want to look at someone in the Bible today who has an entire chapter written about him, of his life. An entire book, I'm sorry. An entire book of the Bible is written about him because he had so many great moments. And all of those great moments came from great opportunities and how he took advantage of it. So before we dive in, bow your heads and pray with me before we get started. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this day that we're here, that we're alive, that we're breathing, and we get the chance to look at your word, and we get the chance to influence the people around us, and we get a chance to glorify you in our day-to-day -day life, Lord. We do not take that lightly. Bless everyone in here today. Open up our hearts to receive this word the way that you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so we're going, we're kicking it back old school. We're going to the Old Testament today. Let's give it up for the Old Testament, right? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Old Testament time. So we're going to be in the book of Daniel. All right, and we are going to, we're just going to soar through the book of Daniel, right? We're going to look at some verses in the book of Daniel. But really today, what I want to talk about is Daniel himself. The life of Daniel, who he was, what he did, what those great moments were, and what those great opportunities were, and how he responded to those great opportunities. So just to give you a little background on who Daniel was. So Daniel was a Jew who was living in Jerusalem. And in this time, the, uh, uh, there was the Assyrian Empire was massive. I mean, they were conquering everyone left and right. And so the Assyrians, they, they, they had little city-states set up everywhere, and they had one huge city-state set up in Babylon. And in Babylon, this guy named Nebuchadnezzar, his dad, said, you know what, I'm tired of these Assyrians, I'm going to rule ourselves. So he leads this military coup, he takes over, and he takes over the city of Babylon. His dad dies, Nebuchadnezzar takes over. Now the Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. He sets up the largest empire in Babylon that has ever been, ever been and ever will be in world history. In several attempts to take Israel and to take Jerusalem, he goes and he sieges the city multiple times. Right, and so Nebuchadnezzar, he was, he's called in the book of Jeremiah as like the destroyer of worlds, like not a good guy. Does a lot of things that are not good to a lot of people. But he was kind of smart. He did a lot of things that a lot of rulers before him didn't do, right? Um, for example, he was the first one to actually have like a public museum. He, was, he built a bridge over the Euphrates River. He actually realized that, you know what, maybe we shouldn't like enslave people because the last time we tried to enslave the Israelites, like their God came out of nowhere and wiped us all out. So instead, we're just going to kind of like let them kind of rule themselves, but they weren't quite there yet. The guy that's going to come after him and destroy everyone, Cyrus, he's going to be the guy that actually really does that. So, but Nebuchadnezzar's getting there, right? So Nebuchadnezzar is, is sieging Israel. I know this isn't a history lesson, and, uh, but uh, it's like history hour with Coach Trent. That's what I like to say, that people listen. All my friends are like, all right, let's go. Get on, get on with what you're trying to say, right? So th what happens is all of this happens, and Nebuchadnezzar's like, okay, I want to create this like super like branch of political assistance around me. So in order to do that, I'm going to take the smartest, most athletic, best looking, healthiest men. I'm going to bring them to Babylon. I'm going to put them in like graduate school. I'm going to teach them how to be Babylonian. And then I'm going to use them to kind of control my empire. Not a bad idea. And really, if you're one of those uh, Jews that gets selected into this program, not a bad opportunity, right? So Daniel is one of those people that gets selected. Daniel and his three friends, right? Um, and we are going to pick up here in Daniel 1, and we're going to start in verse 3. So Daniel 1, verse 3. And this is out of the New Living Translation, because Old Testament, let's be real, it's kind of it's hard to understand sometimes, okay? So I go to the New Living Translation because they're like, hey, this is for dummies. Like, Jason, you can understand it, right? So that's why we're using New Living Translation. Feel free to use your own translation, though, but it makes a lot of sense in this one, okay? So this is Daniel 1.3. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, the, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other nobles who had been brought to Babylon as captives. 
It says, select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment and are suited to serve the royal palace. Train these young men in the language of literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief, the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was Belteshazzar, and then there was the three famous names, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, so this kind of paints a picture of what these, three, these four guys were, right? They weren't just your average Jews. They had some aptitude about them. They had some sort of um, extra uh, knowledge and wisdom and things like that, and, and they were of royal birth, and, and so they were valuable to the Babylonian kingdom. So, like I said, Nebuchadnezzar is like, all right, we're going to treat these guys good in an attempt to assimilate them, right, to slowly turn them in to Babylonians, right, and, to, and he does so so much that we're going we're gonna to pick up in... In verse 8, oh no, I'm sorry, I'm, gonna, I'm not there yet, I'm sorry, forgive me, I'm still new. All right, so before we get to verse 8, what happens is, is Nebuchadnezzar's like, all right, we're going to feed them and we're going to give them wine from the king's kitchen, right? And remember, like, most people believe that Daniel and, and his three friends were like teenagers at this point still, like very, very young, and they're literally eating like kings. We use that phrase all the time, but they literally were eating like kings, and drinking like kings. That's a awesome opportunity if you're a teenage boy and you just got captured by this massive army. You're like, oh, are you kidding me? This is awesome. But let's look at what Daniel does. And now we're in verse eight. He says, but Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. In verse 12, he says, please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water. Daniel said, at the end of 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. Okay, this is not a pro-vegan sermon, okay? But I will tell you what this is, is you, is you, is you can, it's, important to assess your opportunities so many times in life we are like good bad extremes black white we we should do not do but we see what daniel does is he assesses his opportunity and he puts up what andy stanley calls guardrails in his life he says, you know what, maybe it's okay for me to, to uh, chase this opportunity, but I don't need to do it the way everyone else does. Because you see, in life, you'll have opportunities, and you will be pressured to take those opportunities and do it the same way everyone else's does. And the pressures will be there too. Can you imagine the pressure on these four young men to eat and drink wine 
and to dress and look like Babylonians and to be just like everyone else. But Daniel put up guardrails in his life to keep his heart pure and to keep his mission focused and to make sure God gets the glory. It's super important that you put up guardrails in your life. There's easy guardrails that we all put up, right? We never turn the alarm clock off. We just hit snooze because turning the alarm clock off is dangerous. You may not wake up for four hours, right? That's an easy guardrail everybody does, right? There's, there's guardrails like that. You know, we set the timer on the oven so that we don't burn the house down. But then there's other guardrails in life that are about your resolve. And it's about sticking to your resolve. Daniel who knows if he had problem? I mean, no one's got any problem eating good food. Does anyone here have a problem eating good food? I don't think so. But what is it about? It was about Daniel's resolve, right? He wanted to keep his heart pure and keep his mission focused on God. If your resolve is to not call in sick when you're not sick because you don't feel like going to work, set that guardrail in your life. Because what happens? You do it once, you're like, oh, I've already done it once. Or study habits, not studying, right? Or your guardrail may be, okay, I'm not going to have a cup of coffee with that woman that I'm not married to. Or I am not going to yell at this employee today. Or I'll never yell at an employee. And then you break those guardrails and it's, then you lose your resolve. Then, it, oh, it's not coffee. It's just lunch, but it's not dinner. Okay, it's dinner, but we're not like, you know, it's not happening all the time. Or, all right, I yelled at him, but he's an idiot, and he messes up all the time. And then I yelled at this person, but it's like they needed it because I'm grooming them and I'm teaching them, right? And what happens is if we don't set these guardrails in our lives, we lose our resolve. So when you are taking on new opportunities, and these opportunities present themselves to you, it's okay to approach them with some reservations and guardrails in your life. It's not all or nothing sometimes. We saw that with Daniel. Daniel was realistic about the assimilation that was taking place with, with Babylon. And although the opportunity to further his career may have seemed like to his Babylon or to his uh, Jewish friends, were like, man, look at Daniel. He's, he's turning his back on us. He's going and he's living with the Babylonians. He's hanging out with them. How could he do that? No, Daniel was realistic about his opportunity. He was realistic about the situation that was happening. He saw an opportunity, but he put a guard on his heart. And sometimes we have to be able to put a guard on our hearts when we're chasing opportunity. This is where wisdom comes into play. And the Bible says Daniel was very wise. And the good news is, is if you think you are not a wise person, the Bible says that you can pray for it. That's awesome. That's one of the most encouraging things in the Bible to me. You can pray for wisdom. I do that as much as I can. When you begin to make decisions with wisdom and guard your heart, God blesses you. And look how God is going to bless Daniel. We're going to pick it up in verse 17. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed... The chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. 
So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians, enchanters, and his entire kingdom. Were those four guys naturally 10 times wiser than everyone else? Probably not. But God blessed them. God blessed them with aptitude and understanding and talents and gifts because they did these things, because they saw opportunity, because they realized that God can use them even in a dark situation as long as they keep their focus on God, they have guardrails in their life and they guard their heart. Now, sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. Because when you see opportunity, we all have people that have been engulfed by peer pressure and the situation around them to where they failed. That happens to a lot of people. Like I said, though, this is where wisdom comes into play. Daniel and his friends used the opportunity in the presence of sin to elevate his influence to a point where God can use them and show their strength. You know what else is cool about this, about Daniel, is is like the decisions Daniel made, you notice how like his three buddies were like, yeah, me too. Like, they're like, yeah, like we'll eat vegetables and drink water too. Yeah, we won't get caught up in all that too. Because your decisions have influence on the people around you, your friends, your family, your coworkers. So when you make a decision to do things the right way, it influences the other people around you. And although you may be strong in some areas, how are you influencing people that are around you that aren't? That's a sobering question to ask yourself sometimes because you're not just responsible for your actions. I'm only responsible for me. I can only take care of me. I can only worry about me. That's not true. You have a higher calling than that. You're called to be a leader. You're called to influence your three friends around you. So don't make decisions based on just you and your heart and how you feel and what you can withstand and the pressures you can hold up to. Think about the people around you. They may need you as a symbol of strength to rally around to give them something to anchor to. This is what Daniel did. Is that more responsibility? Yeah. Does that stink sometimes? Yeah, it does, but that's life. And if we wanna be blessed like Daniel and we want our wisdom to be 10 times the people around us, that's the steps we have to take. All right, then Nebuchadnezzar becomes kind of crazy or like manic or uh, psycho, if you will, right? Uh, so now Daniel is like, if, you, if we go through the chapter of the Bible, right, we're, we're soaring through it, like Nebuchadnezzar starts to kind of lose his junk up there. So have you ever had to work under someone who was kind of psycho? <laughs> like, it, I love Daniel because it's so, re- it was written in like, it, was, it took place in 500 BC, yet it's so relevant to today. Fortunately, you know, I work here, so I don't have that problem, but I've worked other jobs in the past, and I've had some crazy, crazy bosses that make no sense and are irrational, and you're just like, how did you get this position? But Daniel has to work under him. So Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, right? And, and this is how crazy Nebuchadnezzar is, right? He has this dream that makes him not be able to sleep, and he calls in all of his, like, sorcerers and wizards, and he's like, tell me what my dream means, And the sorcerers are like, well, we don't even know what your dream is. So if you tell us what the dream is, then maybe we can tell you. And he's like, no, I'm not telling you what it is. You tell me what the dream is. And they're probably thinking like, this dude is a nut job. How, how, we can't read your mind, right? It's probably what they're thinking. You ever said that to your boss or spouse or someone? Can't read your mind. You got to tell me what you're thinking. 
Don't say yes if they're sitting next to you. Okay? So, basically, they call in uh, Daniel, and Daniel's like, I can't tell you what your dream is, but uh, my God can. And so he basically told him what the dream meant. And he told them, he told him that uh, basically that you're to this huge statue of yourself and a rock hits it and then it crumbles and that represents your kingdom and someone that's going to come and, and take over your, your kingdom, right? And it turns out, I mean, that's exactly what happens. So we're going to pick up uh, in verse 46. Not, yes. Oh, I told you I'm still new, okay? Give me some time. Okay. Then King Nebuchadnezzar threw himself down before Daniel and worshipped him. And he commanded his people to offer sacrifices and burn sweet incense before him. The king said to Daniel, Truly your God is the greatest of gods, the Lord over kings and revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this secret. Then the king appointed Daniel to a high position and gave him many valuable gifts. He made Daniel ruler over the whole province of Babylon, as well as chief over all of his wise men. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to be in charge of all the affairs of the province of Babylon, while Daniel remained in the king's court. So Daniel used, or God used Daniel's manic, crazy, psycho boss, not only to promote him and his friends, but to glorify God. So that can happen. You may ask yourself, God, why am I in this position with this person in my life that's absolutely crazy? Well, we see in Daniel, God used that to promote Daniel and to promote his friends and to move him up. And something that didn't look like opportunity, it actually looked like a block of opportunity, turned out to be the very opposite. Turned out to be the thing that catapulted Daniel's career up. You always hear the Lord works in mysterious ways. He does. It happens over and over again in the Bible. And the thing is, is, you, is opportunity may not always look like what you think it looks like. And then you look back on it and you're like, wow, God used that. Happens over and over again, yet we still don't learn. All right, now we're going to fast forward a little bit into, into Daniel a little bit. And basically, Nebuchadnezzar, like, he, like I said, he's a little nut job, right? He forgets about how Daniel interprets and tells him his dream, what it is, before he even tells him what the dream was. And he decides, you know what, I'm going to build this 90-foot statue of gold, and I'm going to make everyone, like, bow down to it, a statue of myself, right? So you know, these were arrogant, self-centered kings. And uh, so basically, he, this is in chapter 3. And he says, all right, I'm going to blow these horns, uh, a band's going to play, and uh, you guys are going to all bow down to this uh, statue. So he does it, and then all of a sudden he looks out into the crowd, everyone's bowing down. There's three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that are just standing there like, Mate, no, we're not bowing down to a gold statue of you. We have God, right? And they, I mean, they're doing this knowing that they're probably going to die. I mean, the king said, like, okay, like, if you don't do this, we're going to kill you. Okay, so this is a pretty big step of faith here. So we're going to pick up in Daniel 3, verse 16. Daniel 3, verse 16. When Nebuchadnezzar asks them, what are y'all doing? You know you're going to die if you don't bow down, right? They respond, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, you crazy nut job. We do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But... Even if he doesn't, 
we want to make it clear to you that we will never serve your God or worship the God, the gold statue you have set up. Now remember, these three guys are like in charge of all the affairs of Babylon. They are in a high political position. They are in a current place of amazing opportunity. Remember, they were Jews who uh, Jerusalem was ransacked by the Babylonians and now they're in this high political position and they're willing to throw it all away because this does not line up with their morals and what God says to do. Would you be willing to throw away such opportunity because the things they ask you to do does not line up with what God has asked you to do? It's a hard, tough question to ask. And if I, can be, if I can be honest with you, I'd like to say that I would act like them, but I'm, until I'm in that position, I, I don't know. I hope so. I definitely, definitely hope so. Because in my mind, I would be like, okay, uh, maybe God just, maybe if it's cool if I do this one thing, because then I can keep my position of power, and then I, then I can influence for God. But if I just like slide through this thing, then you know, how am I, you know, I'll start justifying to myself. Okay, let's see here. If I die, then I'm not useful at all. So uh, if I stay alive, I can be more impactful to, to for God. But that's not how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego looked at the situation. They looked at the king straight to his face and said, we're not bowing. God will save us. And even if he doesn't, Read my lips. We will not bow before your gold statue. I mean, that's bold. I mean, that's, I mean, there's no contemplating going on there. There's no self-justification. There's no process of thinking. That's bold. So basically, I'll just, I'll just summarize it real quick. Um, they, they say, all right, well, we're going to throw you into the furnace, right? So they throw Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego into this huge furnace. It says even the people that threw them into the furnace got burnt up. It was so hot. Right, so Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they're hanging out in the furnace. Everyone's looking at them. They're like, what a tragic event. They're killing three high-ranking political officials in the Babylonian uh, administration. And then all of a sudden, they see a fourth person in the fire walking around with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The three come out of the furnace, not burnt. The Bible says they don't even smell like fire. It says they were a little tanner than they went in, so they're looking a little bit better. No, I'm just kidding. But it says they didn't even smell like fire, right? And so all of a sudden, it's this massive miracle that, just, that happens. And Nebuchadnezzar, again, crazy Nebuchadnezzar, says, your God must be the God that's real. From now on, we're only going to worship your God. So in that moment that took extreme faith, God promoted them again. It said they were promoted again within the Babylonian administration. God was glorified again. But what did it take? It took strength. It took faith in the face of your enemies. It took courage. It took such a resolve in God that they were willing to throw their own lives away for that. Now, to us nowadays, there's not a lot of times where we could imagine where we would have to throw our lives away because of our, you know, for believing in God. Thankfully, we're in America. We should never take that for granted that we can do that. But we probably can think of, think of times where we could throw opportunities away. Where I say, well, I don't really align with that way of thinking. And God doesn't want really me to be a part of this situation. And I can't morally be a part of this because the Bible tells me not to. And throwing opportunity away like that, that's when it gets hard. Because to us, money and opportunity, 
I mean, that's as valuable as it gets. So are you willing to look at the face of opportunity, of promotion, of money, and say, you know what? My God will save me. I'm turning this down. Because that's what they did. It's not easy, I'm telling you, man. If, I was, if it was easy, I wouldn't have to talk about it. I'd write a book and I'd make a lot of money. But I'd say no to it because God doesn't want me to do that. All right. So basically, we're going to fast forward a little bit. We're going to keep going in Daniel a little bit more. Um, and so uh, there's a new king. He comes in and, and uh, uh, Daniel tells Nebuchadnezzar, you're about to go crazy uh, because you, Nebuchadnezzar, after the whole furnace thing, turns, changes his mind again, tells them, no, we're going to have other gods that we're going to worship. So Daniel says, okay, well, God's going to turn you basically into a, an animal and you're going to be an animal for like seven years. So Nebuchadnezzar's gone. New king comes in. New kings are sitting in, in Babylon, right? They're, they're, they're sitting around, they're eating, they're drinking, they're having this huge giant feast. And they're like, you know what? We're feeling so good about ourselves. Go get the cups and the gold cups that we took from Jerusalem. We're gonna drink wine out of them just to show our dominance over those pesky Israelites that have tried to fight us for all these years. So we're gonna like rub it in their face, right? Then all of a sudden, this uh, hand comes out of nowhere, writes on the wall these four words. He freaks out. He calls everyone in. He's like, what do these words mean? No one knows. Then this lady goes, hey, there's a guy named Daniel. I heard that he can kind of do this type of thing. Let's go get him. Daniel comes in. In the face of the king in the courts, the king says, anyone who can explain what these words mean, I will make them the richest person. I will make them basically a king under me if they can explain this. Daniel says, you know what? Keep your gifts. Give them to someone else. I'll tell you what it means. He explains what the words mean. Basically means you're about to lose your empire because of the way that you have acted. The way you've insulted the Jews and God in here. The next day he's murdered. But Daniel had to step out in faith to do that. Daniel, to, to stand in a situation like that and to be bold, in all these situations, Daniel is risking his place. He's risking his authority. He's risking his opportunity. He's risking his influence because he's so convicted by what God wants him to do. So the guy that kills that king is this guy named Cyrus, right? And just a quick history lesson. Cyrus ended up being one of the most successful um, Europe, Eastern European uh, like conquerors ever. He did some brutal things, not so great. But he did a lot of things that were like pretty smart. Again, like he set up like uh, governments and provinces and satraps and things before like other people did. And he had this massive empire um, that he had built. And basically his whole thing was like, we're going to let people believe whatever they believe. We're going to let them keep their culture. We're going to let them keep their kings. We're going to let them do whatever they want, but just, you know, serve us in, in battle. And they're like, that sounds good to us. Either we die or we do that. That sounds good, right? No brainer. So Cyrus actually had a good little thing going. So Cyrus liked Daniel because he realized how smart Daniel was. And the Bible says God gave Daniel, like, uh, uh, he gave him uh, authority and he gave him a uh, favor with Cyrus. So basically, people get jealous of Daniel. If you didn't know, people will get jealous of you in life. It may have happened to you once or twice before, but people will get jealous of you, and they'll want you to fail. These people got so jealous of Daniel, they couldn't find anything wrong with him. They had to change a law to make him break them. 
They went up to King Cyrus. They said, hey, let's make a law just to show how dominant you are and how powerful you are, that for 30 days, no one can pray to anyone but you. And Cyrus is like, okay, I mean, that sounds like a good idea to me, right? So they're like, ah, oh, we got Daniel. Now we're going to catch him. People will try to catch you. People will try to do things so that you fail. And if you operate in your gifts that God's given you, you'll be successful in those areas. And people will want to see you fail. It happened to Daniel. If it happened to Daniel, it can happen to us. So how are you gonna respond to those situations? Because thinking that the reason why those people exist, like if you're like, man, why do these people exist? Like why would God do this to me? It happens. God will use those people to glorify him. And we'll see how he does this with Daniel. So we're gonna pick up in Daniel 6, verse 16. So at last the king gave orders to Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles, so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early in the morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you faithfully served so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me. For I have been found innocent in his sight and I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him for he had trusted in God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. So in the face of a law that was changed, Daniel said, I will not abandon my God. I will not abandon my conviction. I will not abandon my guardrails because God will protect me. So the hardest thing to do in life is to look at opportunity and to look at these situations and say, I'm going to move forward, but I'm going to do it God's way. Because there's two types of people. People that won't move forward because they're afraid that they won't be able to succeed or they won't be able to do it God's way or that it's bad or wrong and they don't move forward at all. Then there's the people that move forward and get consumed in that lifestyle and get consumed with the pressures of the things around them. So they become a part of that. That's not what God wants us to do. I'm gonna have the band come up. I'm gonna wrap it up here. God will give you the opportunity. Like we talked about in Coach Herb Brooks' speech, great moments come from great opportunities. God will give you the opportunity. It's how do you handle that opportunity? Because everything that goes against logic and reason, which is what a lot of us like to hang our hats on, is the very way God wants us to do it. Everything Daniel and his friends did in the book of Daniel went against logic and reason. 
How could I sacrifice my position? How could I sacrifice my life for something that seems to not really be that big of a deal? Because God wants us to have strong faith. And if we think we have strong faith, the tests will only get harder. And your chance for you to show your faith will only get greater. How many chances did Daniel have to give in to the things of the world? The entire book is that. The entire book is opportunities for Daniel to give in. Each time Daniel chose the path that he knew was God and was right. And because of that, God promoted him each step of the way. So often we think that if we get the opportunity, then we can show our value. Or if we can get ourselves to a certain status at that point, then we can start showing people that our hearts are for God. But until we get there, we're just going to kind of do what we got to do to get there. That's the opposite of what God wants us to do. That's what he shows us in Daniel. He says, do things the right way at the beginning and I'll promote you every step of the way. Don't be afraid of culture. Don't be afraid of our world. Don't be afraid of the people out there. It's not us against them. It's us showing them God's love. It's not we need to cut them off and, it, and we just need to put ourselves in a bubble. No. God will promote you with outside of the bubble and he will promote himself every step of the way. Do you have the faith to say, but even if we aren't saved, we will never bow to the things of this world. That takes strong faith and that takes risk of getting ridiculed, of getting left out, of getting put down, of the chance of not getting the promotion. But that's how you flourish in the presence of your enemies. That is how you succeed in a world that's full of sin. It's not be, not be in it, it's be above it. It's not criticize it, it's love it. It's not get in and try to change them, it's show them by example the way that God wants us to live. So everyone stand up, we're gonna finish with some worship. And as you're worshiping, I want you to pray. I want you to worship to God. I want you to say, God, I'm not afraid of the opportunity. I don't wanna go through life just going through life. I wanna make the most of my opportunities here. I wanna do it the right way. I wanna be promoted every step of the way that's what he wants for us dear Heavenly Father thank you so much for tonight thank you for this chance to look at Daniel and to look at your word and the way of an example like Daniel shows us how to act in this world that we're in and how to be above this world I ask you to bless everyone in here help them to evaluate their lives evaluate their opportunities evaluate the people that they're influencing around them have them guard their hearts, put guardrails in our hearts, Lord, so that we can do the things that you want us to do, Lord. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name.